Hello, this is Aitana, and you are listening to Season 1 of the Swim in the Strait podcast, where we talk with swimmers of all sorts from the New Zealand swimming arena, from swimming every day through the winter to crossing the Cook Strait. We will hear stories of passion, perseverance, and dedication. Welcome to Episode 2 of Season 1 of Swim in the Strait. Today's guest is an Ironman, ultra runner, ultra swimmer, and has crossed the 40.2Ks of leg type of swimming. I have the pleasure to talk today to Victoria Pinarello. Hello, Victoria. How are you? Thank you for joining us today in the Swimming the Straight podcast. Thank you for having me, Aitana. We have a really nice story today. Tell us the story of how do you decide one day to swim across Taupo? which is 40.2 Ks, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's correct. So I wouldn't consider myself an athlete. I didn't do any sport growing up and only swam recreationally uh, and never trained competitively at all. I found that um, when I moved back from Europe in about 2014, I was watching my younger brother, who's very sporty and very competitive, competing in triathlons. And that really inspired me, the way that he trained and the way he pushed himself. Um, and that really gave me a taste of, you know, what I could achieve. Mm-hmm. So what was the first kind of dipping your toe? What is the first thing that you did? The first race I decided I wanted to aim for was the half Ironman in Topo, which consists of a swim, a bike and a run. So the swim was 1.8 kilometers, the bike was 90 kilometers, and the run was 21 kilometers. Wow, and how long does it take normally? The professionals can do it in, I think, about four to five hours. That's not me. (laughs) (laughs) How did it take you? I think the first time I competed, it took me around seven. Okay, yeah. Well, that's a long time. It is It is a long time, a full work day. Yes, exa- oh, exactly. Yeah, that is true. Well, and what was next? So after competing in a half Ironman, I decided that a full Ironman was the next way to go. So that's double the distance. Just because seven hours was not enough. That's right. Good. It's all about um, pushing yourself as far as you can go. Yeah, I bet. So you did a full Ironman? I did. Uh, I did that in 2019. And after I finished the Ironman, I really didn't enjoy the bike of the Ironman. So I decided to do a swim run, which just consisted of swimming and running. So you prefer to swim and run than biking? I prefer to swim. (laughs) So when you decided to run as well, I can say anything worse than running. (laughs) So it was, um, it's a great experience to do different types of events. And I'd heard about doing a swim run, which is when you run and then you swim with your shoes on and then you get out and you run some more and then oh. you swim again. Hold on. So you don't swim for two hours and then you stop swimming, get dry and run. You do it. Can you please explain to me how that works? Yeah, it just is one after another. So maybe... The one I did in Wanaka was, I think, 18 transitions. So you went from swimming to running to swimming to running to swimming to running. Oh, my God. I find that really hard. Was it hard? It was very hard, but a beautiful location. 
and that was down in Wanaka. Yeah, one of the good things about New Zealand is that anywhere you go to do that, those kind of events is normally very beautiful. So it's not only the event, that, but also enjoying the scenery. Yeah, that's right. Was it cold? It was quite cold. And how do you run wet? Like, that sounds horrific. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that sounds horrific. It's It's not as bad as you think it is. Right. You have a swim run wetsuit and oh, there's okay. special equipment for it, but it's a great experience. And do you do that on your own? No, you do it with a partner. Oh, that's fun. So it's a team event. Oh, that's pretty fun. Which yeah. is much nicer than doing a triathlon where you're by yourself. Mm, okay. And do you do you train with a partner? I mean, because of course you might have to go at the same speed, I, I presume. That's right. Yeah, you have to stay within, I think it is five meters of each other okay do you have a rope <laughs> during this one we actually had a rope oh why is that well i was a slower swimmer at that point and so it was good to get towed what's it told you it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny so how long that was um how long did that take you guys oh i think that was 10 hours oh we're increasing the time yeah but it was actually less than iron man Oh, I didn't ask you how long was Ironman. Yeah, so Ironman I did in 13 hours. No, I think that's wrong. Ironman I did in 12 hours and 48 minutes. <laughs> minutes are very important, I agree. <laughs> okay, so you did half Ironman, Ironman. Swim run. Swim run. Ultra running. Where's that? So I did an ultra run in down in Tianao. I did the Kepler challenge, which was 62 kilometers. Is that running in the flat or? That's up a very large mountain <laughs> and back down again. How long did that take? That was, I think that was also 10 hours. So why is it with the long distances? I really like pushing myself and seeing how far I can go. And I found that doing longer distances meant that I could go slower. Oh yeah. Yeah, like you are, I guess in those um, events you are just competing with yourself. You're not really, unless you're a professional athlete. Yeah, that's right. I was never fast enough to compete at that level. So for me, it was all about being able to finish the race. Mm. So what is that in, that do you enjoy the training? Do you enjoy the atmosphere or? I think it's all, it's all of it. You know, the community of people around you as well as training and pushing yourself and training for your health. Okay, and then after your ultra run? I went back to what I loved doing, which was swimming. Good, and then how do you decide to go and swim Taupo? <laughs> I guess when I did my first half Ironman in Taupo. Uh, I remember just being in the lake and how beautiful it was. And I did have a moment where I thought I could swim the length of this lake. And that just all came back to me after going through triathlon and swim run and ultra running and just being out in the ocean in Wellington every day. I considered how amazing it would be to actually swim for a really long distance. So. Do you normally train every day or do you swim for fun every day? How How is your, or you just swim when you have to train for something? 
It's an excellent question. <laughs> um, so my, my approach to training was much like all of my other events, endurance events that I'd done. Um, and because I already had an understanding of what I needed to do to go, go the distance, I just adapted that for swimming. I was, I was swimming every day recreationally, mostly for the coffee afterwards. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I needed to change that for swimming a long, longer distance. Yeah. So I have a question about the training and about how you organize. Because swimming 40K is a very long swim. And um, for those that who don't know about swimming, many people can swim 1K or 2K, but not many people can swim 40K. It's not, it's not um, the same as running, which is kind of you can add k's when you're running so how do you decide one day that you want to swim the 40k how you organize how far in advance do you start training properly properly as in not just going for a swim on monday morning and who do you talk to do you do you get help in order to complete to be successful can you please explain us how all that previous process goes the person that I got in contact with um, to be able to organize the swim was Philip Rush. And he's a, a big personality here in, in Wellington who organizes all the long distance marathon swims. And I spoke to him probably 12 months before I decided that I was going to swim um, Topor. And he gave me a few milestones that I would need to hit before I would be ready. Uh, mostly those were I had to swim a couple of 40k weeks. So doing 40 kilometers within a week. Um, I had a six hour swim that I, that I also needed to accomplish before I would be ready for swimming Topor. I got a few suggestions off him about the best way to train for that. And one of the things he suggested was to do um, a build, hold, and then a recovery. So the build would be two weeks of building up my kilometers, holding the distance for a couple of weeks, and then one week recovery, which is not no swimming. It's less swimming. Yeah, so it's kind of an active recovery. That's right. That's right. Um, a couple of things I did that made things easier for myself was I attended three squad sessions. So I had one session with Phil, which was on a Sunday morning, and then I had two other swim squads, which I attended, which was through um, outpaced swimming, and they were evening swim squads. Because I had to fit training around life and around work, what I did to make it easier on myself is I would do two swims a day. So I'd swim in the morning before work, and then I'd swim again after work. Yeah, because uh, to give a little bit of a reference, like... How long, if you were doing 40k weeks, how much time were you in the water? Uh, that would probably be about 20 hours. 20 hours in the water, it's a, long, it's a long time. It is a long time, especially when you have to be working as well. Exactly, yeah, you have to um, play with all the pieces of the life, of your life, trying to fit them all together. 
and you need to have a rest day as well. Of course. Important to have the recovery. Yeah, of course you have to have the recovery. Uh, recovery is so important in, in any kind of training, right? Absolutely. So what are you doing during that year that took you to get ready for uh, the big swim, the big day? Were you doing something different apart from swimming 20 hours a, a week? Were you like modifying your food, your sleep patterns? Your uh... I found that I was eating a lot more. <laughs> Had a consistent diet of burger and beers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as I was training, it was important that I still lived my life and had coffees and treat myself, especially when I was training so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I guess it's good to not lose perspective. You can get into the training mode and just forget that there's a world outside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But hopefully, or probably you're training for uh, Ironmans and um, your long distances events before gave you a little bit of perspective as well. That's right. And from those experiences, I knew that I didn't want to change my lifestyle too much. So as much as I added up training hours, I didn't want to change what I was eating, stop going out for dinner or stop having takeaways and things like that. And what about sleeping? I was having a lot of afternoon naps. Because <laughs> normally swimmers get up very early. Uh, and if you were swimming twice a day, I guess one of the swims was before work. Yeah, I am a morning person. So tend to get up early anyway. So those morning swims suited my myself fine. It was the evening ones which really made me very tired. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Good. So you did your planification for the year. And then can you tell me about the couple of weeks before the big event? How, how did it work? When did you decide that you were ready for it? So what happens is when you speak to Phil about attempting a marathon swim. He'll give you a swim window. So my original swim window was the end of March. On the 30th of December, I completed my six-hour swim, which was one of the benchmarks. Um, and that consisted of doing loops of Oriental Bay for six hours. Wow. That is kind of a 1K loop? It's about 1.4. 1.4. That is a lot of loops. So it's actually called, we've named it the Karina Madness. <laughs> so Karina was the first one to do a swim like this when she was training for her Cook Straight swim. And it has become an institution of a benchmark of what you should achieve. So do you remember how many loops in six hours? I'm not sure how many loops, but I did 17 kilometers. Oh, wow. That is a lot of swimming. It was not the best day. It was overcast. It was a little cold, and I managed to swim into two jellyfish. Nice. Mm. One on my way in from my lap two, and then again on my way out for lap three. Oh, God. So in the space of about 10 minutes, I got stung twice. Oh, no. Well, I guess that was a good um, that was a good practice for what I mean. You don't find jellyfish in Taupo, but you definitely can find some weather. Yeah, 
I think it, swimming into the jellyfish really prepared me mentally for <laughs> my big swim in Topor because if I could keep swimming after that, I could really swim through anything. Anything, exactly. Just keep calm and keep swimming. Mm. It was about a week after that swim that Phil called me and I met him for coffee and he wanted to know how my swim went and how I was feeling. And he said to me that there was no point waiting. We might as well give it a go. Let's do it. So I would be swimming at the end of January now. Instead of March. Instead of March. Okay. So that was quite a shock. (laughs) And it took a little bit of preparing. So I had to get my crew ready and mentally prepare myself. How do you do that? Both things, the crew and the mentally preparation. I guess for my crew, I really thought about who would be able to help me get to the other side. So my crew's responsibilities were to get me up there to feed me uh, and be my mental support while I was there. How about your mental preparation? Do you do anything? I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was it classical music or, or a little, heavy metal? A, a little bit of everything. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you get there, you get to Taubo and um, you're there with your crew and what happens then? Uh, well, a, no, a little logistically, it is a quite complicated because it's very weather dependent. So things can change all the time um, and you can't really book any accommodation or can't really make a move to go up there until, you know, the swim is set. And so my crew is on standby for about a week as my window approached and then after squad on Sunday, Phil said to me that it was likely going to be a Thursday swim and uh, we would be travelling on Wednesday and, yeah, swimming on the Thursday. But the um, the, goalpost moved, the goalpost moved multiple times during the course of those couple of days uh, and, uh, you know, at first it was meant to be a, a Thursday swim and then we're in the car getting ready to drive up to Topor and Phil calls me and says there's a bit of weather coming through. It's probably going to be a Friday swim. So there were, there were things that were changing all the time. Wow, that is not nerve-wracking. It was definitely nerve-wracking. Um, and then on the... So it ended up being... Sorry, it ended up being a Saturday morning swim. And we needed to be at the boat ramp at 3.30. And I got a call from... 3.30? Oh, in the morning. In the morning. And I got a f- phone call from Phil at 3 o'clock telling us not to come to the boat ramp because the weather, um, it was choppy all night and it was only just settling down. Could you sleep at all? Uh, I I slept reasonably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we needed to be at the boat ramp at five now. So it was, it was, there were a lot of changing factors that day. Yeah, so I got to the boat ramp about 5 o'clock and started swimming about 5.30, 5.45. Um, the conditions by that time were nearly perfect. It was really starting to, you know, flatten off. Uh, the water was still warm. It was about 21 degrees. Okay. Um, and it's a really strange sensation getting into the water and looking out into, you know, the darkness 
because you really can't see anything. There are no lights that you can aim for or anything. All you've got is the IRB, which is the inflatable that Phil and one of my crew were in right next to me. Apart from that, I couldn't see, couldn't see anything. I couldn't see the bottom of the lake. I couldn't see the sky. I couldn't see, you know, the edge of the lake or anything. Pitch black. Pitch black. Do they have a light for you to follow? Yeah, right onto the IRB. They have lights around it. Wow. That would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> I would be thinking about the cracking of the lake <laughs> coming to eat me or something. <laughs> Were you scared? Strangely not. I wasn't scared at that point. Okay, that's good. Because being scared while swimming takes so much energy from you, right? That's right. You need to be really relaxed going into into the swim and thinking about just the moment. How long did it take? It took a total of 18 hours and 26 minutes. Non-stop? Non-stop. Just keep swimming. The majority of the swim was went perfectly. It was just the last 10Ks, which was difficult, to say the least. Describe it for me, please. <laughs> There's, to be honest, there's only a few things that I remember very clearly about that last 10 kilometers. That was the choppiness of the water, the darkness. I had pain in my shoulder and I remember the sensation of swimming as hard as I could and not moving at all. So what happened then? Eventually, well, eventually I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but it was a difficult, it was a really difficult 10k yeah, a lot of a lot of thoughts went through my head during that time. Um, I did think at one point I was going to drown. No. Yeah. Uh, and I actually did um, ask to get out. I think I was. Uh, I'm told I was 800 meters from shore when I stopped the boat. I, I waved my hand around and got them to stop, and I said, "Nope, that's it. I've had enough." Let's stop wasting everyone's time. I want to get out. What did they say? Oh, they drive away from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're on your own now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before um, before the swim, I talked a lot with my husband about the what if. You know, what if I didn't make it? Or, you know, what if I can't do it? And he rightly said to me, if I don't make it, I don't make it. Um, it doesn't take away from all the work that I've done and all the training that I've done throughout the year. And it's it's about the journey, not just the one day of swimming. So if I made it 10 kilometers or 20 kilometers or even 39 kilometers, it was still an incredible achievement. And so when I asked to get out, that's what was going through my head. Because at one point, Phil did say to me, if I don't hurry up, then they're going to pull me out. And I really didn't want that to be his decision. I wanted it to be mine. You made it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> when when you asked to get out and they left you, you were like, nah, I'm going to finish this. Only because they swim away. Only because they drove away from me. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, if I, don't, if I don't keep swimming, I'm going to drown here. <laughs> That's like, right. <laughs> have a cave from, from shore. <laughs> I am very interested about the um, mental part of this um, long distance events. What was in your brain? What was 
the driver? What is like that you it was driving you to keep swimming? I think it's the achievement or, you know, knowing that you can push yourself so far. Uh, and I thought a lot about nothing. <laughs> I think being able to think about nothing is a huge um, achievement itself. Yeah, to really black out everything else that's going on and just focus on what you're doing in the moment. I mean, even though I successfully finished the swim, I think the mental aspect of it afterwards was so much more than the physical um, because I feel like um, after completing the swim, I really didn't appreciate what I'd done uh, because I was quite traumatized by that last 10 kilometers and just having put everything out there it took it's taken me a long time to yeah appreciate what I what I accomplished Mm. yeah it takes time to sink in right yeah definitely I mean and I look back now and I am truly passionate about swimming so the fact that I'm still happy to swim and still enjoy swimming is a testament to how how good it makes me feel that's good that you haven't said I'm not swimming ever again thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) don't look at me (laughs) so I'm happy to hear that (laughs) if you had to make a summary of the things or the pieces that made you successful what do you think are the most important things good training and definitely should have trained a little bit more in retrospect, having good people around you, like a good support system, uh, having people you can swim with, uh, not necessarily people who are also wanting to swim long, but people who understand your journey or understanding what you want to accomplish, and beers and burgers. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yeah, but I think I think the people around you is so important because swimming swimming must sometimes swimming looks like a one person sport. But it these kind of um long distance events is never about just the swimmer. Yeah, it's definitely a, around uh, about the people around you. And having people who have also swam long uh, helped me th- help me through that because I did have a couple of I wouldn't say nervous breakdowns, but moments where I did get quite upset with my training. And um, my friend Eliza said to me, "If you're not having at least one or two breakdowns, then you're not training hard enough." Yeah, I think that's a good um, thought, and also probably will prepare you for the day as well I guess in 18 hours you're going through different phases of I'm gonna make this and oh my god I might not make it so you have to be ready to push through Mm. I guess so if you've experienced before that kind of oh my god what I'm doing when it presents in the big day you know you recognize it Yes, and that definitely happened to me during the last 10 kilometres where I was really thinking, what on earth was I thinking? 
you know, to be swimming in the dark and the chop, not knowing, you know, which way I was meant to be going. I've got people yelling at me. I, I can't see anything. Yeah, I felt that could have been pretty overwhelming. It definitely was. One thought that went through my head a lot of the time when I was in the lake was if I was to drown and sink to the bottom, then no one would find me. Oh, that is a sad thought. (laughs) It would be silent (laughs) and cold. (laughs) Yeah, it's something you really have to push through mentally. Yeah, I think that is one of the the aspects of um, endurance sports that calls me or fascinates me or inspires me the most because swimming for 18 hours I think is an epic um, achievement <laughs> so well done congratulations again thank you <laughs> and I feel very inspired what's next uh, nothing yet <laughs> yet I like that still considering my options but at the moment I'm just enjoying swimming for fun again thank you very much again for joining us today in the swim in the straight podcast and all the best for your next adventures and hopefully we have you after your next one whatever it is thank you for having me thank you for listening to the swim in the straight podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe to our podcast connect on social media at swim in the straight and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform